Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Song brought to mind. Sometimes we wonder why things happen to us. And this is what God is doing to try to shape us to be more and more like Jesus. We uh, <clears throat> can't do that on our own. We need him to send things into our lives to test us, to teach us, and to help us grow. And he does that. And uh, it's one of the things I always try to think when something happens. Uh, what is God trying to teach me in this? How do, how do I need to learn through this and to grow and to become more like my Savior? So that was the mini-sermon. So... We'll move on to the regular sermon. Appreciate your, your attention. I'm going to talk about love this morning. And most of the time, though, when we study about love, we're talking about the Greek agape, as you've heard, that sacrificial love which is characteristic of God and which we're supposed to have uh, for one another and for other people in our lives. That we're willing to help them out for their good and to give of what we have so that they might uh, have something in time of need and especially that we might share with them the gospel. But this morning I want to talk about romantic love, which we rarely talk about. A love of emotion, passion, and desire, but it's very much a scriptural topic. And it's something that God has given us, given to men and women by our Creator as part of the glue that is hold a man and woman together in the marital bond. Romantic love. And when this love is coupled with the love of the will or covenant love, creates a powerful bond between a man and a woman that they might be one. So as Valentine's Day approaches, I thought it would be good for us just to think about romantic love because everybody's thinking about romantic love. And especially for you brothers out there and all you men, I don't want you to be, when it comes to Valentine's Day, like the farmer and his wife. They were asleep one night in bed and a storm came up, and a terrible storm, and a tornado came. It tore the roof off the house and picked them up in the bed and took them for a nice ride on into the next county and set them down in the next county, all intact, no, no problem, not hurt at all. And, of course, you, you know, if that would happen to you in the middle of the night, you've got to come to and figure out what on earth happened, and... You know, the farmer's trying to figure it out, and he thinks he figured it out, you know, terrible storm and so forth and so on. And he's saying it's a miracle. And his wife, she just starts to cry uncontrollably, just sobbing and sobbing and weeping. And he says, honey, honey, everything's all right. We're not hurt. It's a, it's a miracle. And she says, I'm not crying about that. And he says, well, what are you crying about? 
And she said, this is the first time in 14 years that we've been out together. <laughs> so don't be like that. We're going to be working from the Song of Solomon. I think we avoid the Song of Solomon because we don't know what to do with it. Okay? It's very descriptive in places. It's very intense. It's very bold. And it's very much about romantic love. About Solomon, the bridegroom, and his bride, the Shulamite. Her name is never given. So I want us to look at, at primarily three thoughts here about romantic love that are given in the Song of Solomon. And I encourage you to go home and read the book. It's only eight chapters. It won't take you that long. And just to get the impression, the feel for what Solomon is writing here in this great song. Song 2, Solom Song of Solomon 2, verse six, 16, I'm sorry. The first thought, my beloved is mine and I am his. He pastures his flock among the lilies. Romantic love is both exclusive and excluding. Okay? My beloved is mine. That is the thinking we should have when we love somebody. You can't have him. You can't have her. I will fight for him. I will fight for her. And this is, you know, some people, and I've had discussion and questions asked about jealousy. Jealousy is thoroughly right in, a, in the marital relationship. We, have, we read that God is a jealous God right over his people. When we're married to someone and something is happening with that person and somebody's trying to steal them, it is right for us to be jealous. That's a godly jealousy. That's different from worldly jealousy over what somebody has, you know, a new car or whatever. No, that's not right, but my beloved is mine, and you stay away. So it's excluding, but then it's also exclusive. I am his, okay? I am his. No one else need apply. My mind is made up, and I'm not interested in anybody else. I remember as this happened when I was in high school. Uh, one of the girls that was in my class was dating a boy in another class, older, older boy. And uh, I don't know all the details, but I do know this happened. Some other guy either asked her out or went to her house to visit her. You know how that, these romances in high school are. 
And when, the, when her boyfriend found out, he went and, uh, well, he, uh, let's just say he beat him up. He said, you stay away from my girlfriend. Now, I'm not saying that was right in that situation because they weren't married and they were just dating in high school. But maybe you remember some of these things going on too. And the feelings are so great and so deep, you stay away from my girlfriend. And he did. He beat this boy up. Now, I'm not saying you go beat somebody up, but this is the passion, this, this is the love we're supposed to have for one another in this marital bond. My beloved is mine and I am his. Now, this is not a one-sided arrangement, and you've probably been in on these, such as a crush, you know. You really like somebody, but they don't like you back, that kind of a thing, or the other way around. It's not possessiveness where one of the partners feels trapped and controlled. That's not good. That's not what we're talking about here. But this exclusiveness is born of a mutual love and devotion to one another. We are a couple. We are one. We love each other. And nobody's going to come between us. That's what this is about. It's mutual love. My beloved is mine and I am his. All right, our second thought. In chapter 4, verse 7. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. We've all heard the expression, love is blind. And this is pretty much what this means. Now, let's, uh, let's qualify this. To be willfully blind to a partner's serious flaws of character and morals, that's not what we're talking about. Because something like that needs to be corrected. And that obviously there are times when legitimate problems in the home need to be worked out. You know, we're all familiar with that, those of us who are married, and we're not talking about that. But we're talking about a person's overall attractiveness. Yes, their physical beauty, their handsomeness, their personality, their character. When I see my beloved, I see the good. This is one reason I love that person. I'm not here to nitpick. I'm not looking for the flaws. I'm not looking for uh, things to correct. Okay? The, the, the marital bond is about encouraging one another, about seeing the good and building that good. Encouraging one another in what, what are the good things. The thought is, the good in my beloved far outweighs anything which might be negative. You know, some couples kind of just get into this back and forth thing about you did this and you did that and so forth and so on. And, you know, this is not what we're talking about. 
You're altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no blemish in you. In fact, here we see there is actual praise. It's not just the thinking, but it's the expressing that. And that might be the hard thing, you know. When is the last time you might have said something like that to your spouse? To show that you appreciated them. You know, even for their, their physical appearance, taking care of themselves, always looking nice. You know, and other things that we do around the house, being thankful for whatever it is your spouse does and does on a regular basis to take care of you, to take care of the family. You're a good person. I appreciate you. You've been faithful to me for 25 years, 30 years. 40 years. Isn't that worth a word of thankfulness? Thank you, huh? We've, we've heard it said so many times that positive encouragement goes so much further than, than criticism and, and fault-finding. And it does but we still tend to just want to find the fault and not to express the praise. And I think here is the point. We are to be praising our mate for all the good they do. Just, you, know, you know how you feel when someone praises you, whether it is your mate or somebody at work and says, good job, nicely done, appreciate that. Well, you, you want to go out and do more, don't you? You appreciate that they said that. It makes you feel good. It gives you a little lift. And it's true. And we should be doing that in our homes and between husbands and wives, whatever it is. You know, uh, good meal tonight. Thank you. Really good. In fact, you always have a good meal. Thank you for doing the laundry. Thank you for putting your laundry away. Thank you for not throwing the laundry on the floor. Thank you for going out and being faithful at working and bringing home a paycheck to support the family. Thank you for that. And some people don't do that. Some families get in all kind of trouble because of these kinds of things are not done. We could go on, you know, with, with any of these, but you know what we're talking about. To be thankful and praise our mates. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about 1 Peter 4.8, where Peter says, Have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. And that should be really true in our marriages. But we, we overlook a lot of these little things that really don't matter. Not always, as I said, nitpicking about all this stuff. 
and just being thankful and praising our mates for all the good they do. You're altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no blemish in you. And then from chapter 8. Verse 6, put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as Sheol. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. Again, we have the reference to a seal, and we know that in those days, a seal indicated uh, ownership, basically, or this is something that someone had done, uh, had prepared, and it belonged to them, or they were sending a letter, and it was sealed by their signet. So here the picture is, put me like a seal over your heart or on your arm. The idea is that the couple is set... uh, one of the couple was set as a seal over the other's heart is even thinking this might refer to that love, the love of the one for the other, that my beloved is mine, and the warning is do not break this seal. We are sealed together in this love, and that's the way it is. And that seal should not be broken. We are one. And then we see he equates love to being as strong as death. And I think the point here is neither can be reversed. Once you die, you're dead. You know, we're not talking about the resurrection of the dead, but once you die, that's it. And so once this love is pledged and the seal is set, that's it. There's no going back. There's no reversing course. And so, you know, again, this is a, you think about these thoughts here as a, a warning. Uh, and we you know, always try to do in the premarital counseling, encourage, warn, advise, admonish, you know, this is serious business. Yeah, it's a joyful time. You found, you found the one you love, but it's serious business because you are pledging yourself to one another for the rest of your life. So you need to really consider. You need to really consider. Is, is, are you ready to make this step? You know, the world doesn't see love this way. You know, uh, we read it all the time in the newspaper, see it on the Internet. You know, when something, somebody or something better comes along, well, okay, we'll drop this one and we'll go to that one. It's just whatever I happen to feel like at the current time. But that's not even romantic love. It's not. It should be a seal on your heart that you love this person and you want to be with this person for the rest of your life. And then we see that love is equated to a fire which cannot be extinguished. And uh, I was looking in the footnotes here. I know in, uh, I think it's the New King James, it says it's a vehement flame. 
But the footnote, it's literally what the New American Standard has, the flame of the Lord. That's the flame of the fire that should be between a husband and wife. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the burning bush. And Moses was on the mount there, Sinai, and he's tending the flock, and he sees the bush. And he had to be there for a little bit watching it, and he's watching it, and he's watching it, and it, it doesn't get consumed. It doesn't burn up. It's just burning. And so he says, i got to turn aside and see this marvelous sight. And that's when he encountered God. I am who I am. A flame that is never consumed. And so I thought of this, you know, it's the same idea here. The very flame of the Lord, many waters can't quench this love. Okay, waters of, you know, problems of life, whatever you want to say, things that happen, happen to every couple, uh, situations, financial problems, illnesses, you know, you know, you know the, the drill, as we would say, all these things. That love continues through all of these. It cannot be extinguished. Cannot be extinguished. And then the picture is how valuable it is. It's priceless. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, trade it, would be utterly despised. You ever talk to anybody who's been married and had a had everything go south and their life is wrecked? That's what we're talking about here. Everything's in disarray, total problems, trouble, don't know what to do, all right? Finances are in a mess. That's just, that's the thing here. How priceless it is to find this love, to keep this love, to have this love, to be one in the Lord, and and to truly support one another. It's a priceless thing, and God has given us that, and it's so beautiful. And as we see out there in the world, you know, it's one of... Satan, Satan is attacking two things, two of the most foundational things that God has given us. He's attacking life itself, and he's attacking marriage. The two most basic things that God has given to humanity, and the two most important things. And Satan is trying to destroy them both. We can see it. We can see it plainly. And We've got to be prepared to stand up for it, for life and marriage as God has designed it. Because it's, I, I, in my opinion, it's going to get worse. And we've got to stand firm on the word and the blessing that God has given us with life itself and the marital relationship. It's priceless when two people love one another and work together through all the troubles and problems of life. You can't buy that. There's nothing to trade for it. Nothing at all. 
I remember uh, a scene in the movie Dr. Zhivago. Now, that kind of dates me, okay? Yeah, that's right. The original. Uh, did they remake it? Anyway. How many have seen that movie? Uh, a few. Okay. Well, what happens there, of course, that's the middle of the Russian Revolution. And uh, the Zhivagos were rather uh, wealthy. And, of course, those people were looked down on because, you know, everybody's now, you know, we've got to spread the wealth around. You heard that story lately. And so they lost their house, and they had to go to their summer home in Varikino. Well, they were run out there on a train in cattle cars. That sounds familiar. And they had the picture there. I don't know how many people were in this one cattle car uh, just for the ride. You know, that was the accommodations. Very uh, in, in winter, very uncomfortable, very, you know, just odd and strange and so forth. But there in the middle of all that, there's this elderly couple just lying on the floor holding one another and smiling because they still had one another. You know, they'd lost everything else. They're getting taken out of town to wherever, but they still had their love and they still had one another. What a beautiful picture to help us get through the troubles of life. Okay, the last thought here, we're going to turn to Malachi. As we mentioned earlier, when this passionate love, my beloved is mine and I am his, this love that cannot be quenched, this flame of the Lord, is coupled with this love of the will, this covenant love. We have a bond here that is just tremendous to keep a husband and wife together. Malachi 2.13, and, you know, this is even after Israel had come back from exile. You thought well, they would have learned their lesson. They did for a short time, but then they went right back to doing the same old things, idol worship, not listening to the word of God. And here in, he is addressing the fact that they were divorcing their wives, he said, this is another thing you do. You, you cover the, Lord, the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, with groaning. Because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Okay, so the Lord was already in his own way showing them, I'm displeased with you. Okay, I'm displeased with you. He wasn't accepting their offering. Yet you say, for what reason? Why is the Lord doing this? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. We tend to forget that that marriage bond is a covenant bond before God, with God involved. It is a bond of the will in which we pledge, we give our word that we will be faithful and support our mate, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And I, when I do marriages, I still insist on those vows. So I think they're important that we understand what we're doing. 
So it's a, it's a promise. We make it from our heart that I will do this. It's just like we're promising I will repay this loan. Or I will show up on Saturday to uh, help you move your furniture. We give our word. And in this case, we give our word before God. Because we're inviting him into this arrangement. So we have the covenant bond of the will of marriage and the romantic bond, this love, this passion, and the two together make this couple inseparable. Inseparable. And I really think we need to teach it more. Teach it more to young folks, even before they're thinking about getting married. They understand what what marriage is about, and about romantic love and the, the love of the marital bond. So this is all about, again, God's gracious gift to the human race. Now we're going to kind of transition a little bit. My beloved is mine and I am his. And a week or so ago, maybe it was last week, I... We talked about the bride of Christ, the last, first Adam and the last, and the two brides. Some people see a great allegory in the Song of Solomon and Christ and the church, between the Shulamite and Solomon and Christ and the church, and there well may be something to that. But with that as the case, for the allegory to be true, both sides of it have to be true anyway, right? Because you're taking one and examining it in light of the other one. So both positions have to be true, have to be there. But my beloved is mine and I am his. You know, Christ has pledged himself to us through his death, hasn't he? He has. And so how do we respond? Am I his? Do I see when I enter into that new covenant? Am I his? Have you given yourself to him? Again, something maybe we've not emphasized enough when some folks approach the waters of baptism. You're dying with him, but you're also pledging your life to him. You will belong to him now in this wonderful relationship of love. You're altogether beautiful. There's no blemish in you. We know that's true of Christ, don't we? He's absolutely perfect, but in Ephesians 5, what did Christ do for the church? He removed all blemishes, didn't he? Made us spotless. He, did, he actually did it. In his eyes, we are spotless. And love is as strong as death. Wow. He already gave his life for us, didn't he? I love you that much. I will die for you because that is the only way you can be saved. And he calls on us, what? To give our own lives, right? In fact, to take up our cross. To die for him. 
if need be, to live for him. So the picture's there, and the picture is so beautiful. My beloved is mine, and I am his. You're altogether beautiful, no blemish in you. Love is as strong as death. You know, first of all, I challenge you, if you are married, is this your marriage? Is this the love you have for your spouse? Think about it. Consider it. I, I love Mike. I appreciate your prayer. So often we don't pray that, that the word we hear will go into our hearts and we'll, we'll use it. It will bear fruit in our lives and we'll, we'll, we'll listen to it and obey it. It isn't just about amassing information. It's about taking what we hear and having it influence us in the way it was designed for good. So please take these words from the Song of Solomon. Take, like I said, take it home and read it. And grow in your marriage and your love for one another. And as we close out, understand that the great love that Christ has for us. That he did die. Mike expressed at the table. He gave his life for us. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. We anticipate that great reunion, that great marital feast as it's presented to us in Scripture. If you want to obey the gospel this morning and become a Christian, uh, become one with Christ Jesus, one in Christ Jesus, we could express that in many ways. We're here to assist you. If you are a Christian and you need prayers, maybe your, your marriage is just kind of so-so and you'd really like for us to pray with you about that, we can do that. Something else going on in your life, we can pray with you as well. Again, as we always say, we are all available. Mike and Mike, myself, Rick, Dawn, anytime you want to discuss your spiritual journey, your need, we're available. If you want to come this morning, please come while we stand and sing. <clears throat>